coming up on The Medicine Podcast. So the partner check-in is this. Eyes around the corner, dogs are barking, kids are running, daddy's home, and I'll look up and I'll be like, I'm 20%. And what that means is, that's all I've got. I need a freaking break. I'm going to the bathroom. It might be 20 minutes. I'm not going to pee. I'm just maybe crying. I'm just maybe <laughs> right? And so he knows and he can look at me and he can come back with a, I have 10% in 15 minutes. And I'll be like, are you kidding me? And he'd be like, I'm, I, you know, he's like still, and I'm thinking to myself, how come you walked in the door if you have 10% in 15 minutes? But then I go, okay, so I've got more than him. Ideally, your partner's gonna walk in at like 40%, 50%. You can do the swap over, but just having that partner check-in can really re-establishes where am I, what can I offer you? And hey, by the way, how did it go? This episode of the Medicine Podcast is brought to you by Immune Intel AHCC, the world's best immune supplement. I'm Chase. Welcome to the show. We've got my lovely, beautiful <laughs> life partner with me. Hello. I am with you. I'm happy to be with you here. And we are joined by two lovely women, Karina and Heather. Welcome to the medicine. We are so happy to have you on today. Thank you. We're so happy to be invited on to speak with you guys. Yeah, yeah. This, this is going to be so great because your guys' niche, the way that you show up and impact the world um, is so needed, especially uh, with the specific uh, type of person that you work with, which um, I think doesn't get enough mm, spotlight, you know, and that is women working mothers. And so we are, you guys are joining us today to dive into this world a little bit. And we are so excited to jump in with you and learn from your wisdom. The first question that we have, uh, the first question that we ask every guest on the medicine, and I would love to hear from both of you. What do you love in your life? What aspect of your life do you love so much that you wish you could gift it to every human? Oh, what a nice question. <laughs> I love that question. I'm going to jump in because just it landed directly in my heart. And that's my morning walks with my dogs. Mm. And as a working mother, that I think one of the things that you do find is that quiet time to be with yourself where you, you know, you don't necessarily have a purpose. I mean, you're obviously I'm out walking the dog. So I am doing something, which is a pretty common mom thing, right? I'm getting something done, but it's just, it's the meditation and the quiet. I love that. I, I wish I really, I bestow that on anybody who's listening. What about you, Heather? I would say that one of my favorite parts of my day and something that I love is my, my youngest son is 11. And so he's kind of on that cusp of, you know, still being my little boy, but he always tells me that he's growing up and doesn't need me as much, but every night we sit down and we read together. So we're in the midst of the last book of the Harry Potter series right now. And, you know, it's something that we both enjoy. Like we'll get caught up and I'm like, Oh no, bad. You know, we're a little bit past bedtime yeah. now because <laughs> we both just get caught in the moment. And those are the times that, you know, that, you know, life is where it should be when you're caught up in the moment and it's just flowing and you're enjoying and it's time that I get to spend with him, even though, you know, sometimes the day is a little bit crazy and a little bit hectic, we can slow down and we can have those 
those moments together. I love that. And you are speaking to two uh, Harry Potter, Potterheads, Potterhead, Potterhead. And Harry Potter nerds. <laughs> Come on, tell us. We could do a podcast on Harry Potter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I would love to. Yeah, no, it's that's a yeah. love which is uh, yeah. Harry Potter, and that's so cool. Oh my gosh, I would have loved to have had that time with my mom. Yeah, diving into yeah. Uh, Deathly Hollows. Yeah, but speaking to oh, your, sure. to your point of that's ultimate presence, right? When you just lose track of time, time does not exist, and before you know it, you know you're like an hour past bedtime because you're so immersed uh in in the the story and the the quality time so yeah that's that's exactly. so beautiful and and we'll definitely be doing the same thing with our kid is yeah. reading reading harry potter oh, yeah <laughs> there's so many there's so many good lessons in so those many. books i i tell people all the time who kind of like roll their eyes at like you know the harry potter universe i'm like there's a reason why she is the only self-made billionaire author there's a reason why she has more money exactly. than the queen because she's a yeah. and she also she really she also really plays with archetype. She's an, an archetypical yeah. genius, I think. There's there's archetypes, there's myths, there's like the hero's journey through it out. So like, even from a perspective of the conversations that, you know, it opens up between my son and I afterwards, and he'll pull things out of it. And I'm like, oh, man, like he's learning so many other things other than the fabulous story that it is too. Yeah. Yeah. I and it's that. the magic. I mean, it's our modern magic, right? Yeah. Like we, it's so rare for us to be able to meet and discuss that without weaving in a religious intention. So it's really, it's, I mean, I think this is why, you know, if you talk to anybody uh, of a certain age, you, we can tell you which house we are, right? <laughs> I've, never, I've never heard some Somebody say they're Slytherin, but Slytherin, but I don't know. I maybe somebody you know, that's their home. I don't know. You never know. It's a, yeah. It's a, yeah. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Well, speaking of magic, uh, would would love for you to to enlighten our listeners as it pertains to what you do in the world today. Just briefly talk about what you do in the world today, then we'll get into uh, you know some of the some of the meat of the episode around you know what it's really like to be. Uh, a mom and these environments of wanting wellness and, and abundance and connection with your children, but also, uh, you know, vitality in, in all areas of life. But before we get into that, we just would just love to hear from you guys. You know, what are you doing in the world? For sure. Well, first and foremost, uh, I'm a mom. We're both moms. I have three kids and then I have two stepkids as well. So it's kind of a mix of living in, in, the world of motherhood and also the world of stepmotherhood, which is adds a whole different dynamic to, to the mix. But my kids, I always say the beautiful thing about motherhood is you get to help them live their dreams. And so a big part of my life and what I do right now is, is learning and growing through them and watching them experience life and knowing and finding what your part is as a mom, because it's not always what you think it's going to be. Um, and they're always teaching us lessons and uh, aside from motherhood, Karina and I are both Czech practitioners. So uh, if I'm, I know you guys are good friends with Paul and Karina and I, so that's our, our mutual connection is, is Paul is our friend and our mentor. And uh, we've been both going through the Czech, not the Czech Academy, but the Czech schooling now for, well, I started in 2014 was my first uh, course that I did. And so before that I was, I was, uh, I was 
you know, a personal trainer, I was working in the area of fitness and sport has always been a huge part of my life. So I grew up, uh, as an athlete and my sport was soccer and I did all the school sports as well, but soccer was my main sport. And so I fell in love with physical activity and the body. And so as soon as I was done school from high school, I went into physical education, knowing that that's where I wanted to be, but not quite knowing what that meant. So through that, I uh, uh, regressed into child psychology. And so that was, that was what I minored in, in university. And so I wanted to marry the two. So I started off working in schools with kids with disabilities and with autism and working with um, physiotherapy and, and speech therapy and helping these kids to progress. And that slowly led me into knowing that I wanted to do something more than just, just the personal training and just the fitness. Cause I saw where there was, it wasn't enough. You know, you can, when it comes to health, the fitness side is great, but it's not enough. There was something more that I knew that I needed to be able to offer people. And that's when I found the Czech Institute and started my way down that, down that path. And then, you know, came into this really beautiful place where you are learning how to coach people from a mental and emotional a spiritual and a physical perspective. And that's where the change happens. And that's where you actually can get someone to learn more about themselves and learning more about themselves is what leads to, to the change, whether it be a physical change, whether it be uh, healing from chronic pain or from an autoimmune disease. And so that's where I'm at now is I, Korean and I just finished our last level of the uh, Czech practitioners course in September. So we're master Czech practitioners now. And so my practice is helping people from that mental, emotional, spiritual plane to find that whole sense of well-being and helping them when they think it's usually the people that I work with. I work with a lot of moms. I work with a lot of moms that have autoimmune disorders and diseases. I work with a lot of moms that have chronic pain and have, you know, spent their time and money trying to heal from that chronic pain and haven't been able to find the answers for themselves uh, and overcoming the obstacles that come with the world today as, as a working mom, or not even as a working mom, but just the things that are, are thrown at a mother these days of all the many hats that, that we wear. Awesome. What a, yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Um, and, and you, Karina, tell us how you are showing up and impacting the world with your work. Well, I also came in through the physical. So um, I think that it's a lovely way into the body and spirit. But for me, it was um, a long path. <laughs> I actually didn't start working with, I started working with Paul in 1995. Wow. And I just completed my master training. I, um, you know, I think one of the great things when you find your mentor is they make you angry. <laughs> and they like the first time I met him, he basically told me I was an idiot for how I was eating. And, you know, like, and at that time, um, the Paul that is so beautifully embodied today 
he was a little more military militarist yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I mean like he was still in that military dude and i grew up on a military base so i i get that vibe and what's so interesting when heather was talking i was reflecting i actually work a lot with men mm. and i vibe really well with men because i grew up on a military base and i understand that drive and i understand and i work with high um i just work with ceos basically mm. so and i've been doing that for um the average time for my clients is 18 years so i've had these same tribe of leaders of new york city's uh, you know on every board every company that you've ever heard of and i'm keeping them moving out of pain cognitively organized and what's been so beautiful is as I've grown, uh, their needs have grown, right? You know, there's a new hip, there's a new knee. Of course, that's the functional aspect of it. But then why is this not working? That's what has really been, you know, like this should work. If we change the mechanics of this thing physically, why isn't it getting better? And so that's really where I dove into the belief systems. I dove into the thinking. I dove into the spiritual. Like, did was this part of your soul contract? Did you come to? experience life with a hobble I don't you know all of these like other ranges and in all of that as a working mother working with men I did a lot and what I think is so interesting about what uh, Mimi and Chase what you offer is this notion of relationship and the relationship that I really um, abandoned was the one with my feminine and I was a mother and then I was a working woman and I wasn't, I lost that beautiful relationship with the divine feminine. Mm -hmm. And I actually abandoned her. I, I just say with so much love in my heart, because I've really had to piece her back into my soul. But, and I think that that's not an uncommon story. And I think part of the reason that it, women didn't um, find an attraction point to working with me is they maybe saw that. And mm. they were no, I don't. And so my healing, you know, this is where that wounded healer thing comes in has been getting piecing back together over the last 28 years that I've been doing this work, bringing her back and and getting that relationship going again. So that's what I do in the world is I meet people's pain and and, and together we co-create solutions. Mm, I love that. And I love your reflection of, of using your work as a mirror for yourself, you know, and mm -hmm. using, I mean, the goal is to be able to look at any aspect of our life and, and to see the lessons available for us and the wisdom opportunities that are available to us. And then, you know, digging into those deeper. And it sounds like you were able to do that, which is amazing. So beautiful. And, and what a gift to receive from your work. Not only are you gifting others with your work uh, and your impact, but also receiving that um, from, from your work as well is, is just is, is great. Um, so I would love to first start out by, you know, you both mentioned it to to some degree, the the struggles of the working mother. Um, Heather, you you said something like women are, you know, wearing a bunch of different hats. And uh, Karina, you spoke to having to, you know, kind of leave behind your feminine to work in a in a maybe male dominated or working with these elite high executive males. Um, so I first just want to lay out, you know, what do you see 
as the major struggles and hurdles that the modern woman, modern mother of 2023 is facing? And and how are those struggles maybe different from mothers, you know, 50 years ago? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's a beautiful question. It's something that I've contemplated in my life a lot. I was a single mom when my kids were really little. So, you know, I had I had three little kids and I was on my own and it was, I would say it was probably a, the scariest place or scariest time in my life because now was I not only their main caretaker, but I also had to provide for them. And that was on me to make sure that they had a roof over their head, that they had food on their table. And, you know, I had, I also had this one-year-old little boy that, you know, was still just a baby and my girls were were five and seven. And I was, I was figuring things out as I went. And so one of the biggest things that got me through that time and built me back up was that I had a group of women around me. So friends that saw where I was at and they were always there willing to help me out. So if I needed someone to watch my kids, well, I saw clients or if I just needed you know, a break for a couple hours or a meal or something like that. I always had, you know, this group of women that was there to support me. And I think if we look back in time, that's where the village was. The village was that mothers were not on their own. There was mothers, you know, in the beginning stages, if there was a mother that had just had a baby and was sick or needed rest, there was a mother there that was ready to, you know, nurse her baby for her if she needed that there was you know people there to help you to you know prepare food and the young women were there to help entertain your kids and so there really was this band of not just women but this village that was there to raise these kids but it wasn't ever meant to be you know one or two people that are you know providing for the kids cooking for the kids uh being on the kids dream team you know, making sure that they have the emotional support that they need. So all these different hats that we're putting on families and not just, not just mothers, but families of, you know, a mother and a father or a single mom or a single dad or whatever that family dynamic looks like. And we're wearing all those hats. So we are the providers and we are the wise men or wise women in their lives and we're their protectors and we are there to make sure that you know they're getting to school and they're engaging with friends and that they are having all the experiences that they need to have within that and so as as a mother in today's world uh we have taken that step forward where we want like I love what I do. I love being a coach and I love being able to offer uh, what I've learned over my time in my studies and in my life to other people that, that I can help in any way that I can. And so that's something that brings a lot of fulfillment and purpose into my life. But I also have these beautiful children that have big dreams too. And their dreams, uh, I'm, I'm the biggest player on that team. I'm the one that's there to support them. And my kids are all athletes. And so uh, we spend a lot of time at sporting events and we spend a lot of money at sporting events and <laughs> <them on laughs> to, these acti- to these things and traveling. And, and they have this beautiful opportunity to do that. So it's finding the balance of how much time 
So there's the number one challenge of, I would say, most mothers is time. Uh, how much time can I give to my career? How much time can I give to my kids? How much time do I need to give to myself? And how much time do I need to give to the other relationships in my life and my other archetypes, the other roles that make me who I am to find the balance in it? And so it would be time is probably the number one thing that I think most mothers struggle with, um, finding self-worth in just being rather than all the things that you do and making sure that you check all the boxes on your to-do list for the day uh, and still making time for yourself at the end of the day that you still get to be you and you still get to be that feminine woman that steps home and you get to be the creator and you get to use your intuition and you get to be that divine presence in the home that is so, so needed from your kids. Uh, do you have anything to add there, Karina? Well, I just do want to be more, um, I, my kids are older and I've had a lot more time, I think, to reflect. I think number one for me, guilt. Mm. Mm. Just guilt. Like I'm at work. I feel guilty that I'm at work and, you know, loving being at work that's a huge guilt for working moms is like oh thank god <laughs> you know I mean and I'm just gonna that's just me I, I've always felt like I am you know a different kind of mother because I felt so relieved and, and I loved being a mother and all of those you know warm and rosy things but when I got to go be an adult again <laughs> And like, you know, put my boobs back in my bra and I just, it's like, yes. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. there's a lot of guilt around it. Like, it's just, it's not a very acceptable thing. And, you know, I think that if Heather and I had been mothering at the same age, at the same time in the same town, I'd have looked at her and been like, yeah, I'm not that kind of mom. <laughs> You know, and and I think there are a lot of me out there who like I love working. I love being in the workplace and I am a fierce mother. I am not um you know, you could talk to my kids, they're adults now and they'll tell you I was a, you know, a taskmaster and all, but there's so much guilt around that too. Like am I supposed to be the mother who has all the wipes in her bag and the extra little snack and the grapes cut in half? I'm not that kind of mom. You know, I was like, "Well, sweetie, you know, that's fine. Just eat that. And it'll be fine. You know, I just, you know, and so I think guilt for me, and I don't think I'm alone in that. I just think that it's not a very popular truth that, you know, people are talking about because they're, it's, it's rewarded. You know, Heather and I talk about this a lot. The super mom is a rewarded archetype. And that super mom is, is the giving over to fully to the mother archetype and not living in any of your other archetypes in the same moment, right? It's as if we have to abandon all. And I know the two of you are already discussing, you know, how you'll be parents and who you'll be as parents. But, you know, I'll tell you the truth, Mimi. I had planned a six-week maternity leave for both of my kids. And two weeks in, I called my clients up. I was like, dude, how do you feel about me showing up with a newborn? And there I was like in the gym and, you know, these are private facilities. So there I was in the gym and they'd cry and I'd, you know, get them on the boob and we were all doing what we felt like we needed to do. I had to talk to adults. I couldn't, you know, and I know that's not a very pot. This is why Heather and I are such a great yin yang for each other, because I was that mom. 
And I think that, you know, dudes got that. They're like, yeah, how could you hang out at home? You know? And so I think that the guilt thing is my, I would say time. Yeah, for sure. Time and guilt. Yeah. I'm curious where the expectation of the super mom comes from in, in both of your opinions. You know, I think the easy answer would be culture or something along those lines, but like in your individual lives, where and that feeling of guilt based on what programming and, and I'm curious because it probably looks a little bit different for everybody I realize that culturally that's been this sort of expectation for women and for mothers specifically but for each of you the expectation of a mother and the, the that likely thing that you've been trying to hold yourself accountable towards and likely feeling some level of guilt or restraint or um, being feeling stretched thin where does that come from hey friend How many of us at some point in our journey have thought we had to give up coffee in order to be healthier? I definitely have. But I learned that it wasn't the coffee that was making me feel crappy. It was the 92% of coffee beans that are covered in pesticides, glyphosate, and microscopic mold. I'm glad that didn't last long before I found my holy grail of healthy coffee, King Coffee. This is a combination of organic, mold-free, pesticide-free coffee and reishi mushroom spores, which supports every system in my body. Circulatory, endocrine, cardiovascular, immune, nervous system, and more. It's even anti-parasitic. Switching to King Coffee has honestly been one of the best decisions I've ever made for my overall health. To learn more about King and level up your coffee experience, go to themedicinemedicin.com forward slash coffee, themedicine.com forward slash coffee. All right. Enjoy. Cheers and love. I think one of the, it comes down to a lot of the programming that a lot of people have and it's earning your self-worth mm-hmm. and it's earning it through doing rather than just being. And so you have these moms and it's come to a place where, you know, they recognize that they don't want to be just a mom, that they want to play more of a role in society, which again, goes back to that village that they would have had that they would have been the medicine women and they would have been, you know, participating in different ways in that. Um, Whereas we, I think it's gone from this place where, you know, if you look at it 30, 40 years ago, it was almost like a woman that went back to work was, was looked down upon like, Oh, she has to work. And it's changed from now. We look at it from the other side is, Oh, you just, you're just a stay at home mom. I secretly hate when people use that language. Cause I, I want to be like, not that I've ever been a stay at home mom, but I have three sisters. We have siblings. I've seen it. I've also done it nannying and stuff. I'm like, Oh, just a stay at home mom. Have you ever done it yourself with <laughs> multiple children? Yeah. Like, that's, in my opinion, one of the hardest jobs on the planet. So just needs to be removed from the vocabulary in this conversation. 100% because you, and you're exactly right to be at home with those kids is, is a whole different dynamic in itself. And so it's never given enough, like you will never know what that experience is, is and how much invested those moms are in creating their purpose through being at home with their kids. Um, And it doesn't mean that we need to go out and find, you know, that purposeful career because they found it. 
it's not for every mom, like Karina said, it's not for every mom to just be at home. But for some, that really is what they feel truly called to do and makes them, you know, want to get out of bed in the morning and create that that world for themselves and for their kids. And so I think it's finding that balance between those two worlds of wanting to be the working mom and still wanting to enjoy the benefit of being there for your kids. And so for myself, you know, I kind of had a, I can do it all mentality. I don't need anyone's help. And so I would prove myself in that by, you know, making sure that, you know, I was doing it all I was getting, and I still fall into this. Sometimes it's getting my kids, you know, making sure that they have everything they need, that they're getting everywhere that they need that, you know, I'm helping them with their homework and I'm still running a business on the side and that there's dinner on the table every night and I'm teaching them how to be healthy and how to be well. And if I checked all those boxes off, it must mean that I'm doing a good job and that it makes me force something. And so I think that's when I, when I look at the moms that I work with and they have that super mom mentality is what Karina and I like to call it. It's like they're, they're tying their self-worth and earning their keep. So there's a, at a subconscious level, I think there's a lot that goes on for women who are not the breadwinners or the main providers for their family, that they're not contribute because they're not contributing as much financially, they have to make that up somewhere. And so it's from that subconscious level, they have this innate, almost insecurity or fear that their safety and security, the money, which is our you know, that root chakra level could be taken away from them. And so they have to prove themselves in providing some other in some other shape or form. So they tend or we tend to overdo to make up for for that lack that they feel. Karina, do you have anything you want to add there? Yeah, I think I could have been a super mom, you know, if I had um, no other outlet for work already established. And, but I knew that if I did that, and this is going back to your question, Chase, that my mother was a stay at home mom and she such an intelligent woman. And she, she ended up doing all of these really creative things with her kids. And then in the future, as we got older, creating other outside the home businesses, because she had all of these kind of soul drives. Mm. And she came to do yes, be the mother of four children and good Lord, four children, you know. Uh, but I, I think that the difficulty, the the premise, and I'm a little older than all of you, was that at the time when I was starting and certainly when my mom opted to stay at home, it was, you were supposed to stay at home and, you know, the roast was done at six o'clock. The kids were dressed. Dad's going to come in with a pipe in his mouth and pat you on the head. Right. Well done, dear. Right. And I think that battling that and trying to have it all um, was a mistake. I, you know, I just, um, for me, I, you know, it's the guilt, like you can't be all of the archetypes. You have to decide to embody and breathe life into several only, 
Right. So I think that that, I think that's where it came. And, and, you know, I'm so competitive. I was like, I can do all of those things and I can drop, you know, the kids and I'll work until two 30 and then I'll go pick up the kids and then I'll take them to the park, you know, all of it, just trying to do all of those things and looking around, this was kind of before social media was a big thing. So really your reflection was other mothers. And I'd look around and like their hair was combed they had makeup on and I thought who are you (laughs) that's so great no I I you're you're spot on and and actually it's a a useful segue to something that came up for me when you guys were both speaking is like the expectation to do it all or um, Heather your point of if mom is not the primary breadwinner, then she, she might feel like she needs to make up for it by being super mom. And in 2023, there are so many opportunities for digital work where you don't actually have to go back to work, uh, you know, Mm -hmm. to an office or whatever you can become a, you know, mom influencer on Instagram. You can start network marketing. You can sell whatever coffee or, you know, there, are these opportunities to work from home. And that's a beautiful thing for women that do have these creative expressions that want to be, that want to be expressed. Um, But it's also kind of a catch 22. It's also a double edged sword because, because there are so many opportunities to work from home. I think that there sometimes can be an added layer of expectation because it's like, well, you don't even have to leave your house. You could still jump on Instagram or jump on the internet and be a blogger or whoever, or a podcaster, and you don't even have to leave your home. So, you know, do you have any excuses not to work? And, um, I think that this is what's coming up for me around this conversation is there are so many different variations of a mother where uh, like all of us, we're all individuals and we all look different. We all sound different. Of course, we're going to express parenthood in a different way, a slightly different way. And Karina, you wanted to go back to work like that. Heather, maybe a different story. I have no idea what I'm going to feel. I think I know what I want to do. But I'm not yet in that mother archetype role yet. She's turning up her volume for sure, but I'm not in that role yet. So I'm doing my best not to have expectations of myself ahead of time before I get into it and am able to reflect on like what my soul, what my heart really wants. At this point, I have no idea what what it's going to be like. And so, um, you know, if we can all start with ourselves and accepting that authentic expression of whatever kind of kind of mother you want to be i think that that would make a huge difference is is people not rejecting that that part of themselves that is maybe different than you know another mother next door um and i think that that you know by by accepting and not rejecting those that part of us that variation of normal um i think some of that projection and judgment could you know, um, could be dissolved a little bit. Any, any thoughts there? Yeah, I really think you hit on, you you hit on it when you said letting go of the expectation, because I think we have this idea. And I think especially with social media these days that we can go on social media and we can find the idea of the perfect mom. 
we can find the idea of the perfect working mom, the perfect stay at home mom, right down to like the perfect homesteading mom that's making all her own food and, you know, growing her garden. So we have all of these things that are available for us to see. And again, it's, well, is that who I need to be as a mom is, do I need to be doing all these things? And it's when we slow down and this is why self-care as a mom is so important because it's in those times of stillness. It's in those times of taking care of yourself and having compassion and not judging yourself that you can actually get in tune with, well, what's important to me? What makes me happy? Where do I feel love? Because when we do that for ourselves as mother, as mothers, that's what we can do for our kids. And I think that's every mother, whether we're a working mom, stay at home mom, or whatever that looks like for us is what we're trying to do. That's our ultimate goal as a mother is making sure that our kids not only feel love from us, but they know how to love themselves. And one thing that I always say to my working moms that I work with is you can only love to the capacity that you know how to love yourself. So if you love yourself through, you know, coming home after a hard day and pulling the tub of ice cream out of the freezer and diving in, or you show yourself love from coming home and pouring that glass of wine or whatever that looks like, that's what you're mirroring to your kids. That's how you're showing them how to handle their stress. Or maybe they see you taking time out of your day to move. Maybe they see you taking time out of your day to go out and be in nature, but they are not learning from what we say. They are 100% learning from what we do and how we treat ourselves. So in the end, if we let go of those expectations of this is who I need to be as a mom. This is how I need to show up. And that might change from a daily to a weekly to a monthly to a yearly basis as our kids go and have, and as we grow as individuals and as moms, then we're okay with saying, oh, you know, when I, uh, when I yelled at you the other day and I got really mad about that thing, well, I really messed up and that's yeah. not the approach that I want to show you. So I'm saying sorry, and I will really work on changing that the next time that we're in this dilemma. And so you let go of the expectation of, of the perfection that sometimes we're reaching for in it. And it allows us to say the stories to, you know, take a step back and to, if we reacted to a situation to come back and be like, oh, well, that's actually not who I want to show up as a mom. So I'm going to go have that conversation and let them know that I'm learning and growing with them through this. Because in reality, when we're moms and when we're parents, we are doing it for the first time, whether it be with our first or our second or a third kid, because they're all different. And I can parent my oldest in a certain way that if I parented my middle daughter, um, she, she wouldn't be accepted. Like she wouldn't, it wouldn't serve her in that way. So each kid is individual. And so we need to shape that as mothers too, to come at them and to always be in that mindset of, I hold no expectation as to how this should turn out. I'm open to what I, I want this to look like and what my dream is within, within the role of a parent or of a mother. 
Yeah, it's so good. Um, I would love to actually get into because we've we've already you know scraped the surface a little bit. Um, I would love to get into some of your guys's best advice for mothers, whether working or stay at home. Um, how women mothers can be more balanced and feel more fulfillment in their life overall. Um, I think that that would be really helpful for the listeners. And I know you guys came prepared uh, because Mm -hmm. we really wanted to dive into solutions and, and offer, um, uh, offer these tips, these pieces of advice for the, the women, the mother listeners who are, you know, in the space where they don't feel so balanced, they don't feel so nourished, they don't feel so fulfilled, and they maybe don't even know why. So let's, let's get into that. For sure. I think one of the first things that is one of the most helpful things that I do for myself, and I know Karina does it too, and has helped, you know, many of my clients is it's looking at the rhythms and the things that you're doing on a daily basis to create joy so often, I think we set ourselves up in a world where we're always searching for uh, the thing that's going to bring joy into our lives. So as a family, you're looking forward to the vacation that's going to happen in a couple months, or you can't wait for your day to be over because you just want to sit on the couch and, you know, watch a TV show, or you're looking for forward to something that's going to happen in the future that is, you know, that pleasure seeking, or you think that it's going to bring joy into your life. So a big thing for me is creating the moments in my life on a daily basis that bring that to me. Uh, Every mom will tell you, you know, whether their kids be little or, or older, that by the time your day is done, you're looking for downtime, you're looking for that time that no one needs you. No one wants anything from you. And you just want to sit with yourself and be, uh, and so my biggest suggestion here is always to switch that around. So instead of searching for that time to yourself in the evenings after kids have gone to bed and the house is clean and all the tasks are complete, do it first thing in the morning, get up a little bit earlier and have the time in the morning. And the reason for that is because usually by the time the day is done, our energy is spent as well. And so we end up being a little more vulnerable to reaching to the things that aren't going to serve us. So it is that we'll spend more time, you know, watching a show or spending time, you know, on social media and it can affect how we sleep. It can affect, you know, the time that we go to bed. It affects our willpower in if we're going to consume anything from alcohol to food, that's not going to be in alignment with our dream. But if you get up, say an hour earlier in the morning, you have, you've been resting all night and you're ready to take on something and be more intentional with it. So I get up in the morning and I have about an hour and a half before anyone else in my house is awake. And this is the time for me. What is really enjoyable is first of all, the house is quiet. It's just me and my dog. (laughs) We're just hanging out. And this is my time where I can go and I can do some breath work and some red light therapy. I can do my Qigong practice and I can, you know, pull cards and have my coffee by the fire. And that that stillness in the morning to just contemplate and to 
think about my intentions and to usually learn something or listen to something that I find uplifting, that sets my day up. That sets me up to go into my day with a feeling that I've created through that stillness and through a practice that was just for me. I didn't zone out on TV. I didn't, you know, put things into my body that weren't in alignment with my dream. And so I do feel like that energizes me and it buys me time throughout my day because I'm more productive and I have that intention and I feel like I've filled my cup a little more at the beginning. And so I'm not so exhausted by the time the day is done and I'm ready to go to bed when it's bedtime, not three, four five hours before it's bedtime. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think with that, a big part of that too, is finding something that lights you up in that. So it might not be the same things for everyone, but just find something that makes you want to get out of bed in the morning that you're excited for something that really, you know, feels like it's for you. And it's not something that, you know, someone works for someone else. It really does have to be individual. Uh, It has to be something that, that you love. And it might be as simple as just getting up and playing some music and sitting with, you know, something warm to drink and you just take that time to yourself. Karina, do you want to add to that one? No, that's sound advice. I love that. Just carve out some time for yourself. Don't live a life that you are always trying to escape from. That's just the truth. And I think if we give a little time every day, that's how we create that. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, I think I love what you had to say about always having to look forward towards something or, or even like looking back towards something in order to experience some level of nostalgia, because it's like escape from the the modern presence and the weight of the current world. And so, you know, when we were married um, prior to our divorce and things were, you know, really, really like icy in the, in the relationship, the only times we ever found reprieve were what was a holiday or a birthday or a vacation, or when we found ourselves in this, like, a conversation about something from the past that brought up a good memory, but we didn't have the ability to curate presence and joy and play and laughter uh, in the current moment. And it was just like such a a crippling lack in the relationship and and was a huge driver as to why we divorced. And And for one's individual life as well, if you're, if you're having to like look forward to uh you know the freaking neck if you're sitting right in january one you're like jesus christ what's the next holiday what am i gonna do for- i gotta wait for the super bowl to even <laughs> escape and i totally resonate with that and it's like <sighs> paul talks about this all the time and i think it's an old like shaman saying or something where it's like when was the last time you found yourself singing or dancing or yeah. when, when did you stop when dancing? did you stop dancing when did you stop it's singing? like when when is the last time you, you cracked yeah. a cracked a fart joke right like <laughs> these things are important <laughs> feedback and mechanisms for our own ability yeah. to experience bliss in the present moment and i think that's so relatable for so many people because nobody's going to nobody in the mainstream world is going to be like hey you you need to find play and presence today they're doing the opposite they're saying look forward to the next whatever event mm-hmm. that the marketing calendar suggests you should buy something for yeah. or buy this trinket and you'll find joy right you know? take this vacation exactly. and all these things are fun and when you understand that the world works this way you can lean into them and experience them on you know even greater scales but if you can't find that level of 
laughter, joy, bliss in just a normal Tuesday, you know, like you're going to set yourself up for failure. And so I love that you said that because I think that's relatable for pretty much every person in the Western culture. When we think of how many days are in a year, like we have 365 days and, you know, when we live for those vacations or those holidays or whatever it is, it's such a short time in our life. Right. And you have to spend so much time working to get those things. Usually like say it's, you're excited to, you know, go on that two week vacation, but it's going to cost you this amount. So you have to work this many hours to get that. Well, you just, you know, if you just learned to find those moments and Chase, you just put it perfectly. It's like, it's not the big moments. It's like the, you know, the silly jokes and, and being able to laugh and just being in that present moment to, to be able to have those, those times where you're like, yeah, I just, I really enjoy each day. I don't, the great thing is we can still have those trips. We can still, you know, enjoy those vacations in those moments, but we don't have to live for them. We can Mm -hmm. live every day and enjoy them when they come. Totally. Yeah. And I think the, the, the tip to get up a little earlier, even if you're not a morning person, you can train yourself to be more, um, more open arms (laughs) towards mornings. If you have something that you enjoy, like a good book, or you throw in an audio book, or you do some red light, or you do some gentle yoga in the morning, like moving your body, stretching, like whatever this thing is for you, it could just be coffee and silence. It doesn't have to be some grandiose morning routine. Um, And I think that that's a, a really good point that you brought up, like finding the time to, you know, or, or creating the time, right, in your schedule to focus on yourself and what brings you joy. It may not, probably won't happen on its own, just laid out for you perfectly. Uh, it's, it's, we were just talking about this last night, you know, talking about being new parents and, and we both love fitness and, and, you know, I guess I don't quite understand um, the, the thought or the story that people tell themselves that when you have a baby, you can't do X, Y, Z. And yes, your life changes and your priorities change. But if something like fitness is important to you, I see moms and friends around me everywhere who are creating the time for themselves, knowing that it's going to fill their cup. And also, like you mentioned earlier, Heather, it's going to, it's going to teach your children by embodiment. Hey, movement fitness is very important to us. And this is how we do it. We make time, we create time in our day to do this because it makes our whole life better. Um, Huge. And, and, and with that, like stalking oneself to use the phrase that our friend Jason Picard uses often to, to take inventory of, of why you felt a particular way and mapping it towards potentially the reasons as, you know, when I get bored, for instance, is the perfect time for novelty. And we overrate things like vacations and holidays for the actual literal things that take place. It was that specific beach. It was that specific present. It wasn't, it was the, the cascade of, hormones and and nervous system responses that are going on as you interact with those things. And so oddly enough, just by going somewhere new for coffee can actually give you a similar novelty experience in the body. And so just being like, actually, I'm getting bored. And what do I usually feel better when I'm bored by doing Oh, something novel? How do I switch up my day today? But if I'm chaotic, and if I'm stressed out, 
I actually find rituals and routines and the uh, something that's familiar to me being the solution because when things feel crazy, I can come back to familiarity and you know realms that I have control under and actually find myself in much more peace by by rerouting my day towards something that is familiar or a little more ritualized. And so even just like taking inventory of I don't feel well today. Why am I bored? Am I stressed? Well, maybe there's a reason or there's something in my past that I've taken note of that has solved some of these issues and brought forth more joy into my life simply by just course correcting based on how you're feeling in that particular day. Exactly. Hey friend, by now, I think most of us realize that our earth needs our support more than ever. Sadly, most of the usable soil on earth has been degraded into lifeless dust by conventional farming's overuse of glyphosate and pesticides. This is a big problem for not only us, but even bigger problem for our kids' generation. Chase and I's favorite way to support the earth is by supporting the regenerative farmers who use methods that do not degrade the soil, but builds robust, rich, biodiverse soil. Every month we receive our meat subscription box from Wild Pastures that provides a wide variety of meat, chicken, sausage, pork, beef, and even organ meats if we want. These are the best prices we have found on meat that's organic, pasture-raised, and sourced from regenerative farmers. And boxes are completely customizable to fit your family's needs. With Wild Pastures, you're not only supporting your family's health with the highest quality meat, you're also supporting future generations and our earth, our home. Now, Wild Pastures is giving you 20% off your subscription and free shipping for life. Just check the show notes below for our direct link and start building your first box. Enjoy. One thing that I that I always think to myself, and I use it often with my clients too, is that whenever you have to ask yourself, I don't know why something's happening in your life, it's a really good telltale sign that you're not being aware and you're not paying attention to the choices that you're making on a daily basis. And you're not doing those check-ins to say, well, what affects my sleep? Like, is there something that I'm doing on a daily basis? Am yeah. I I'm asking that one all working? the time. <laughs> right? God, why can't I sleep? Yeah. Why can't I sleep? I, was I on my phone too late last night? Yeah. Was I, you know, working right up to the time that I I was ready to go to bed. And so we can often find ourselves in this place where we're that we've disconnected from the things that are pulling us away from those, those feelings of, you know, creating the little bits of like silliness and laughter and enjoyment in our day, just by not paying attention to the decisions that we're making. And Mimi, like you said, like, one thing that's really important in motherhood that serves us so much is, is making sure that when you have a value, like around movement, that you love to move and you know that this is really important to you, that you do set those rituals and those routines around it. So it's not just going to be, I really want to get a workout in today. It's, I'm going to schedule this workout into my day and I'm going to make it habitual and, and there's going to be ritual around it and routine. Otherwise, by the time that I get to it and I, you know, cover everything else on the list, am I going to have the energy? Am I going to get what I need out of that workout or will it actually happen if I leave it to chance as to when it's going to happen? And then you're at risk of living in your martyr. 
And yeah. there's a lot, that's exactly how that martyr mother thing happens. And it's a pretty common triangle where you've martyred yourself. And then guess what? You're angry mm. because I didn't get my workout. You know, here I am again, Yeah. you know, but you're living in your victim, you're sabotaging yourself and it's celebrated. But over time that deteriorates a relationship with your child, with your partner and with yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very well said. Awesome. So that was the first, the first of what I think we were going to go through first, five. But but let's five. yeah 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 okay. So, yeah. so the second tip, the second tip is, and you guys are you guys are pros at this, but we're going to use the two of you as an example. We right. call this one the partner check-in. So I don't know. I think most moms have the hardest moments right at dinner time because of fatigue. The kids are tired and hungry. It's and your partner has maybe just stepped in the door and it's it's a bomb about to go off. And so I'll just tell you how my husband and I have played this game. So it's afternoon for you guys right now, right? So I'm gonna ask you, Mimi and Chase, what's for dinner? Uh barbecue chicken. Barbecue chicken. Okay, and who's cooking? I'm cooking the barbecue. And I'll figure out the rest. We always cook together though. Okay. So you have a plan. So here's what I do with my partner, especially when the kids were little, I, st we still actually do it because we have two dogs an older and a, and a younger. And so there's still like walk in the door, like, thank God you're here. That one needs to go. <laughs> and so, you know, like I I'm working and he, he's like on the phone, still in a conference call. And so what we do is the partner check-in and it's the dinner time thing is because it's about power and understanding. And it's about who is going to have the power in this relationship. Like, are you just expecting me to cook dinner? Like, okay, you know, like, did you know that there was meat in the fridge? Yeah, well, you're welcome. Cause I went to the grocery store and there is meat, in the, right? So now we get into this dynamic where, you know, there, there are expectations from within. It's like you said earlier, Chase, where does that come from? Oftentimes it was me creating the expectation that I should be the super mom, that I should have had the meat already in the fridge. And where is the fresh vegetable? Oh my God, I'm going to do frozen veg again. So the partner check-in is this. Eyes around the corner, dogs are barking, kids are running, daddy's home. And I'll look up and I'll be like, I'm 20%. And what that means is that's all I've got. I need a freaking break. I'm going <laughs> to the bathroom. It might be 20 minutes. I'm not going to pee. I'm just maybe crying. I'm just maybe <laughs> breathing, right? And so he knows and he can look at me and he can come back with a, I have 10% in 15 minutes. And I'll be like, are you kidding me? And he'd be like, I'm, I, you know, he's like still, and I'm thinking to myself, how come you walked in the door if you have 10% in 15 minutes? But then I go, okay, so I've got more than him. And so now we know probably we're ordering in. And this is the beauty of New York City, right? I go, okay, so nobody's cooking dinner. All I have to do is get these kids through these next 15 minutes. We're going to play a game. Let's go in your room. And, the, you know, this is, I loved what you said, Chase, about novelty. Because that's the parenting key is like, if you're trying to snap kids out of a cranky hanging, well, I'm so hungry. You have to be like, Oh my God, did you hear that? <laughs> totally. I think it's in the other room, right? And then we play the game of like, let's go look. And then that gets me the 15 minutes and then we can do the swap over, right? 
ideally your partner's going to walk in at like 40%, 50%. You can do the swap over and then you can decide like, we're both low. We're going to, you know what we're going to do? We're actually going to call the neighbor teenager and be like, we will pay you $20 to take the children downstairs for 20 minutes. You know, and so all of the solutions, I think the key with the check-in and you, I love what you just did because you already have it organized, right? Keeping that in your relationship and not losing it to power and misunderstanding. Like, did you not remember that today was the big meeting? And so when I, you know, my husband's going to be like, I walked in hoping that there would be a celebration. How did it go? What was your presentation like? Instead, it's like, he's pooped in his diaper and that one needs to go out, right? It's just, it's not kind, but just having that partner check-in can really it reestablishes where am I? What can I offer you? And hey, by the way, how did it go? You know, just that, just a whisper of that. Let's talk about that later, okay? That handoff, that baton exchange for me has been, that's how our relationship has maintained. And honestly, we weren't, we're not big arguers, but um, it's that undercurrent that the kids feel. You know what I'm saying, right? Oh, like yeah. They know. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. And so I, I just, that, the partner check-in for me has been an important part of, and I was, you know, I've been lucky, right? Heather, single mom, <laughs> it's you. You walk in and just like, can we just take a moment for the single mothers out there? Because I've often been in a grocery store and I've seen a single mom and I thought, oh my God, I don't even know how you were doing that. So many blessings to you and the children that you're creating. But yeah, if you have a partner, that's that's a tip. Check in, give yourself, a, you can do it anyway, scale of one to 10, percentages, you know, I've got nothing is another response that you can hear. <laughs> so yeah, and, and then you know what you're looking forward to and you can just text it to each other. I've done that um, mm, in anticipation. Well, it's huge, right? Like in, in all of these modalities, especially in the relationship domain, when there's consent and consciousness, it's a lot easier to like wear different hats and role reverse. If you don't have a, a preemptive conversation around the fact that, Hey, we're in a marriage, we've got kids. We're going to have to, we're going to have to be business partners. Sometimes um, I'm going to have to take the lead. Sometimes you're going to have to take the lead. Sometimes I'm going to ask for help. You're going to ask to have to ask for help. If you're not having that conversation up front, mm -hmm. it's awkward and clunky. And it's, it's this sort of like scorekeeping exercise and then it and then it gets very difficult to transition into like intimacy because yeah. you've been business exactly. all day. Yeah. But the secret sauce is having the conversation and it feels like a business meeting because it is. Mm -hmm. And because you know where you have to separate. Uh, OK, business is over and like I haven't had sex in two weeks, so let's go. <laughs> but but you like the the consent to role wearing and times of having mm -hmm. to be business partners I think is so huge and critical mm -hmm. because without that table setting exercise, it will feel almost offensive and repulsive to consistently be switching roles without some level of orientation in the yeah. relationship. Yeah, because you might be switching off the hat and your partner has no idea that you're doing that. You you haven't laid the groundwork or, you know, had this conversation around check-ins. I think that's a brilliant idea. We um we have a check-in that's a little bit different. So this is this is like in the moment, where am I at? Scale of one to ten, zero to a hundred. 
what is my capacity until I break down and start crying is basically how I would gauge it. Like zero is I'm going to lose my shit. I'm going to start crying and throw my phone out the window um, ten or 10 or a or hundred. If we're looking at this, like a battery is take the night off. I got, this. yeah. Like, <laughs> you know, do your thing in your man cave. Like I can do it all type of super mom, I guess. And um, yeah, I, I would, I, I think that that's a really, really awesome tip because if you, if you set up these boundaries ahead of time, not in the moments, you know, saying this to your partner and expecting them to understand what you're saying, but over coffee or over a quiet dinner that you have yourself, or maybe the kids are in bed and you're, you know, settling down for the night or whatever, like, Hey, you know, I would love to set this up, just start the conversation, get it going. And also I think if this is a woman who's kind of pitching this to her husband uh, or partner, I think saying, you know, explaining like, Hey, let's have a little like, you know, secret code basically where we can gauge and we can check in with each other and what that will provide for me is, and then, you know, tell him, you know, explain to him how important this is for your own sanity, for working as a team, whatever that feels like for you, explain what it will provide for you, especially if you're speaking to a male masculine partner. Exactly. I think that's so important that we recognize the differences and, and, you know, just from the brain hemisphere, like, oh, when a woman is, is parenting, she's thinking about, okay, this is what we're going to cook for dinner. And this is, you know, what we have to do after dinner. And this is the time that the kids need to be here. Or this is, you know, we need to make sure we sign these forms for school. It's just the way that a woman's brain works is when, your male counterpart gets home from work, there's a good chance he's still in work mode. He's still focused on that one thing. And it doesn't mean that he's ignoring you or not paying attention to, you know, what the kids needs. He just hasn't quite transitioned into that home mode yet. So when we have that understanding of each other, then we allow a little bit of space and a little bit of time. So, you know, he doesn't walk through the door and we're like, take it all. I'm done because mm-hmm. we have to make sure that we're honoring both sides of it. Like he has had a day where, you know, something may have happened at work or it was stressful or those things. And as women, we have to take that into account and to go from one stressful situation right into home. That might be another stressful situation. Of course, he might not react in the way that we're expecting him to or he might not be ready to take mm-hmm. it all on. Yeah. So I think just that that check-in was the first kind of meeting point of the day is, is yeah. super important. Yeah. yeah, I love it. And this is called empathy, people. <laughs> this is relationship <laughs> 101. You can't have a thriving, beautiful, fulfilling relationship without empathy uh, and validation of your partner's experience. So absolutely love that. All right, number two, partner check-in. What's number yeah. three? Uh, Number three, so as working moms, and I know that all three of us women have felt this, is that we tend to go into work in our masculine. That is where we thrive in that world. And that's where we are going to get a lot of output. It's where, it's where I coach from, from most of my, from my day, because there is a part of me that needs to drop into that feminine but then most of my clients need the the doing 
these, this is, we talked about this and now this is what we can do about it. And this is the language we're going to use about this. And this is, you know, where it's going to be uncomfortable, but we're going to be okay with that discomfort for right now. And there has to be this transition. So I coach more from my masculine, but I mother from my feminine, of course. And so if I don't do anything to recognize the difference between the two, and if I don't have routine or ritual around dropping myself back into that feminine, I work from home. My studio is in my house. My office is in my house. Uh, so I have to have something that actually transitions me from the working masculine side of myself into my feminine so that I am parenting from the place that is about using my intuition to tell what's up with my kids, uh, to be able to come at things from a place of creativity, to be able to, you know, read the emotion in the room. And that's one thing as, as women that makes us the mothers that we are, whether we have, you know, kids or animals or we're mothering whatever we're mothering is that we can take a look and and feel what our children need or feel where they're at when they come home from school or from from sports and so if I don't pull myself back into that and it can be simple things like breath work is huge for me to pull myself back into my feminine sometimes I'll you know grab the leash and take my dog for, you know, a quick walk around the block or something to just transition myself. Cooking is huge for me. I love to cook. Um, and it's a really beautiful way of me connecting with my kids after school. And, you know, we cook dinner together. Sometimes I'm cooking by myself, but it's a really nice transition of work is done for right now. And now I'm stepping back into that feminine role of being in the place where I need to be to, to mother my kids and to take care of them to the best that I can. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. So good. And, and perfectly put anything to add Karina. No, I mean, I think Heather is, I just love that she loves to cook. If you ever get to hang out with Heather, it's just such a pleasure because she really does love to do that. And for me, that was not how I expressed. I love to, I love to be, I could be at the park with my kids all day because I love to be outside moving and physical. And then I'd be like, oh, who's going to cook dinner? I think I'm the mom. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just great to find those, right? Those transitions that, that serve you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's perfect. Transitioning from masculine mode that many of us work in. And, and it's a, it's a wonderful ability to be able to put on that hat and provide the structure and stability and decision-making and solution-oriented behaviors and everything uh, in the world. But then, you know, and, and this is something that not only mothers, but even if you're not a mother yet, you can practice with your partner. So if you have to put on a masculine hat for work, um, on the ride home or taking a walk or whatever that transition looks like for you, um, transitioning into your feminine before you are making dinner and relaxing with your partner, um, it's probably going to be more, more fun, honestly, if yeah. you yeah. are and more enjoyable, if you are in your, if you're a, a feminine essence being in your feminine when you're with your man, even if you don't have kids, practice with your partner, practice that transition. Um, and one thing that helps me 
um, is finding pleasure in my body. So it doesn't have to be sexual. I guess it could be if you wanted it to, but even just like sitting for a few minutes on the back deck and like focusing on how good the sun feels Mm -hmm. hitting my cheeks or my chest or my thighs or whatever, or just like putting your hands on your own body and just like sitting in gratitude for how much your body did that day and just being able to um, to receive that love from yourself, like whatever, it, it can be anything, but sitting in a moment of intentional um, pleasure finding really does, I think it helps me, you know, transition into my feminine, sometimes just moving my body gently, like yoga or stretching gets me back into my body and out of my head, and more so in that receptive um, feminine mode. I mean, you can even add it to your, your partner check-in, right? And it's like, Hey, I need 10 minutes for transitioning. (laughs) You know, let me, let me get out in the back deck or take some time. Uh, I need to get into my feminine before we settle in for the evening or whatever. Like, I think that's an important thing Mm -hmm. to incorporate. Yeah. I I mean, I say this to Chase all the time. I'm like, I need to get out of my head and into my body. So I need a few minutes here. (laughs) Um, it, it really is helpful. Well, and you know, in that, in that transition, when we do that as couples, like that's where we're going to thrive together too. Like if we're going head to head as too masculine, like, you know, in the evenings, well, we all know what that feels like. It's just going to, it's going to be like two heads crashing together. So it serves everyone. And from the perspective of being parents, um, kids, you know, always in partnership, we talk about that. We don't, need each other. It's not a codependency and partnership. It's I'm choosing to be with you because we're aligned in these ways. And I enjoy your company and I'm willing to work together with you to create this dream, but in parenthood, and this is something that, uh, took me a long time to learn kids. It's not the same with kids. It's not, I'm choosing to be with my parents. Kids need the mother and they need the father, right? They need that and they need to see their mom in her feminine and they need to see their dad in that masculine. They need both of those coming into their lives. Uh, With my kids, they have, they have spent the majority of their life with me. Uh, And so they get a lot of that feminine energy and I can see where uh, it has, you know, it hasn't served them to not really have a really strong masculine you know, presence in their life. And so that's something that, you know, is so important because whether they're, you know, male or female, they're going to gain from, from that. And it's going to help them to find that within themselves as well. Yeah. Huge. I mean, I I grew up in a household of achievement. It was like absolute achievement, business owners, you know, CEO, CFO, just like, boom, baby. It was so dialed in and I I loved it. I had a great childhood. My mom is an incredible woman, just beautiful, incredible, like one of my favorite people on the planet. Um, but it took me in my adult life some time to understand the dynamic of the feminine presence in a household. Uh and it's something of course I'm I'm grateful that it has been one of my life lessons. But man, there were some bumps and bruises trying to figure it out along the way. And uh, I can't emphasize enough how important it is for kids to have that mirror neuron experience of witnessing the adults in their life, being able to play into their innate essence, whether that be masculine or feminine, and have it embodied and, and represented in a balanced way. And so 
great point of emphasis there. Okay, it's official. <laughs> I am on the She Legit train, y'all. If you haven't heard of it, She Legit is an ancient superfood harnessed for its tangible impact on strength, vitality, and energy. It contains an abundance of trace minerals, antioxidants, organic acids, and nutrient transporting compounds. It is a total badass supplement, you guys. But anyone who has taken Shilajit before knows that it tastes like tar. <laughs> well, finally, the formulation geniuses at Organifi have somehow found a way to make it tasty in their new Shilajit gummies. Since taking these gummies, it's enhanced my stamina for workouts and really gives me better energy throughout my entire day. I genuinely love these gummies, and so does everyone else. Organifi can hardly keep them stocked. To support your mitochondria, eliminate heavy metals, and fuel your body with critical trace minerals, go to Organifi.com and use the discount code MIMIFIT, that's M-I-M-I-F-I-T, for a hefty 20% off your She Legit gummies or any other Organifi products. Enjoy. All right. So finding that transition, number four. Number four is fun because we normalize this at the dinner table with our kids. And what we we did was we celebrate failure. And what we would say to the kids is, hey, how did you fail today? <laughs> and, you know, we made it like a great and exciting thing. And, you know, Heather touched on it earlier. What is really a beautiful thing about this is it creates a um, practice place for apology. You know, I just I'd like to say I am so sorry when I screamed at you earlier. I was so afraid that you were going to run out into the road and mommy got scared. And when I get scared, I sound really angry and I have a big, angry voice like it scares all of the people in the area. And so, you know, there's like how, and I, that was a mommy failure. I'm so sorry. How could we do that better next time? Well, mom, I, you know, I promise I wasn't going right. And there's the, the opening of the conversation, but I own it. I own it. That's not a great solution. Right. I mean, it was just my fear in the moment. And then they understand, well, mommy got afraid. And actually that, you know, for the kids to understand that I failed at something, but here's why right? Then they begin to understand, okay, well, when I didn't speak so nicely to little Johnny down the road, I was thinking that he didn't like me anymore. Okay, so there's your why, right? So we see that there was a failure. And we begin to understand what drives us toward failure. And that failure is a celebration because now you learned a little more about yourself, and then tomorrow you could do better. But I think that one of the things that I learned at my home is perfectionism. And perfectionism was such a hard sheen to break. And in this culture where everything is this facade on the internet, I was really hoping, and actually, you know, um, one of my kids is not on the internet at all. And I think that this is part of it. He understood that that was a separate version, this, this veneer. And then my other son is deeply engaged because he's a musician and that's where he feeds his music. So I think it's a really interesting, just normalizing failure, celebrating failure and creating a softening in the evening together where you're like, here's, you know, I really, I was, I had this terrible moment and I feel so 
so badly about this and here's what I did and here's how I feel about it and what do you guys think I should do do a, how do I apologize you know I think that that for me has been such an important part of my growth as a parent you know just taking away that sense of like you're supposed to be the mother capital T capital M you're supposed to know everything and you know that's just it because I'm the mother Taking that away and having my kids co-create the family experience with me was just such a relief for me. Because again, you know, I knew that I wasn't going to live up to this perfection. I kind of wanted help. (laughs) And who better? Like Heather said, every person is different. Each kid is different. I can yell at this kid and it rolls off his back. And I yell at this kid and he really, it it changes him cellularly. Mm that and feeling that as a human right and just being like mom messed up and I'm so sorry and hey who else failed today and how did you fail you know and then you know some of it's funny some of it's not so funny like the time that my son was working on sh words at school (laughs) and where did you learn that mommy mommy says it all the time oh my god that's hilarious okay so you know then I get the phone call from the teacher I'm like yeah um he is not lying and yeah, okay. So, and did he spell it correctly? Yes, he did. Okay. <laughs> uh, that's amazing. Yeah, we we do something similar in in Chase's family, or kind of the extended family, the pows and wows, where you get to highlight, you know, hey, this was great about my day. And I'm almost thinking that a pow is not necessarily always something that happened to you. Like, oh, I, you know, got a parking ticket. It could be that failure. Um, Maybe people choose different words or use failure if you want, but a pow could be like, yeah, this happened, but also here's what I learned and here's what I'm going to do differently next time. So yeah, I think that that's, that's so great. It's it's teaching kids. um, And certainly we both had this as we're both Enneagram threes. We're both achievement oriented and failure is scary sometimes. Um, Yeah. (laughs) I I could tell at least one or both of you is a Enneagram three. I I had a feeling. Um, I'm the eight over here. She's okay. (laughs) (laughs) But when that's your makeup, it's not always easy to just switch off and embrace failure. It has to, uh, we get to like train, retrain ourselves with almost like exposure therapy where you're talking about it more and more and it becomes less scary. It becomes less about you and who you are as a person, more so about like, hey, what are you learning currently? Hey, where did you fail and what are you learning currently? So I think that that's absolutely huge. Love that. One thing that I found with my kids is it's, it's funny looking at all three of them. So my oldest is 17, my middle daughter's 15. And then, like I said, my little guy's 11 and through my own health journey, they've had different versions of me. And so my oldest tends to gear herself towards that perfectionism. And she really works hard to, to become aware and be okay with failure, but it's, it's, you know, it's there that you know, it's always got her by a little bit to, to steer herself in that direction. And then my little guy, who's six years younger than her, uh, you know, he has a very carefree, I'm just going to be me kind of attitude. And I can see that near my transition from, you know, struggling with perfectionism to where I am at now. And so we do a lot of talking around polarity. And, you know, working with Paul, you're going to always hit on polarity. But when you think of, you know, the failure to, if we're going to put success at the other end of that, from 
from polarity, it's not always about looking at it from the perspective of which end of the spectrum are you on? It's like, well, what's your neutral? Like, what are the moments that you felt really contented? Uh, what, you know, did you feel that flowed really nicely today? How fast were you able when you hit that point where you weren't feeling so good about something that you maybe failed at or that didn't go the way that you expected? Were you able to have some compassion for yourself and to see it as, as that opportunity to grow? And so as parents, the more that we can recognize that in ourselves and mirror to our children, they're really receptive to that. And, and like I said, I can see that just from, you know, my oldest to my youngest that, you know, he's been, he's had that example in his life for, for a little bit longer. And at those earlier stages, that's, what's so beautiful about, you know, where you guys are at and, you know, starting to think about have a family, you're going to have this opportunity from the time they're, they're young to instill these things into them to actually look at themselves as, you know, it's not the program. It's not the program that we're trying to instill in them. It's take a look at yourself and what you're creating. And is that, you know, if that's how you're feeling, say in your victim, do you want to bring that into your warrior? How do you say this happened to me, but this is what I'm going to do about it. And it just empowers them to become these, these beautiful critical thinkers that are, that are looking at the the greater picture and, you know, they're finding their dreams and they, you know, are finding purpose at such a, you know, young age in their lives. Yeah. Yeah. We feel very blessed that we get to speak to all sorts of people that are sort of adding to our journey into parenthood. And and obviously you guys are part of that journey because we're, we're learning from you that the people who have been there done that. Um, So yeah, we, we feel very blessed that way. All right. Number five. Yeah. Number five. So this one is, I think probably the simplest out of them all, but it's something that both Karina and I have found have been one of the I would say one of the like rocks in, in motherhood and that's nature. And it's so simple. It's so simple. It's available to us all the time, but it's a, it's a game changer. So just the other day, my little guy came home after Christmas from his dad's. And so he was kind of like, you know, it's, it's after Christmas and, you know, there's been like sugar and all these things that his, He's, his system's not used to a lot of. And so he was grumpy and I'm like, okay, we're going to take, we're going to take the dog to the dog park. And he's like, I don't want to go. And I'm like, okay, well tell me what you're going to do instead. And he's like, well, I don't know, but I'm not coming to the dog park. And so I could tell it's what he needed. He needed to get outside. He needed to have that fresh air. He needed nature. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to bribe you here. (laughs) Happens a lot in parenting. I'll pay you 10 bucks. If by the time we get home from the walk, you don't feel better. And so he's like, okay, I like this deal. And he was dead (laughs) set that he was not going to feel better. So we went out and we walked. And uh, as soon as you get kids out into nature, whether they want to be there or not, they become these talkative, happy, you know, they, they take about five years off their age and they start to play again as soon as they get out there and they love it. They don't always want to go. 
but they always feel better when they're out there. So we came home from the walk and I didn't have to pay him the 10 bucks. He was happy. He felt better. (laughs) He recognized that. But as women, we're directly, we're all directly connected to nature. But when you think of nature, uh, women are the creators. We are what bring life into creation. And that's what nature is full of. It's, it's creation of plants and animals and the sun is creating and the moon is creating. And there's all these poles that go directly into a woman's system. We know that our cortisol rhythms are connected to nature. We know that a woman's uh, cycle is connected to nature. And so as soon as we disconnect from nature, we're connect, we're disconnecting from our being, we're disconnecting from the things that set our rhythms. And so that can throw us into a state of stress. It can throw us into a state where our hormones are off. It can throw us into a state where we can't sleep well because our circadian rhythm is off. So getting outside and connecting in whatever that looks for you, whether it's walking outside, whether it's gardening, whether right now for us, it's playing in the snow, uh, just getting out there getting some sunlight, letting that light hit your eyes is going to serve you and allow you to step back into um, being able to come at things with love and love for yourself and love with your kids and get you into that more of a problem solving state if there's a challenge involved. But it also teaches your kids how to connect to something that will always be there to help them in any situation that they feel is overwhelming or they, you know, can't come to what the best solution is. Uh, It's just always available and it will save the day for moms with young children. And it will save the day for, for moms with teenagers too, whether it be on your own or with your kids. Yeah. Super practical, like hopefully available to most of us. Um, But we live in this world, especially if you're into the health and wellness space, where we're constantly being just pumped with the latest and greatest like gadgets and technology. And I've, don't get me wrong, I've, I've had my fair share of biohacking in, in my 33 years, and I love it. Some of these devices are so rad, and they're incredible, and the yeah. red lights. And But at the end of the day, they're all doing what they can to mimic nature. And I mean, you step outside, and you've got the sunlight. Regu- it's free. It's free and it's regulating it's your circadian free. rhythms and it's supplying vitamin D and then the warmth on your skin feels incredible or a fresh, fresh breath of cold air. You know, you're, if you're barefoot, you're grounding. If you're in the forest, you've got the freshest air probably anywhere, you know, nearby considering the filtering processes and the just being amongst the trees. And so it's like all of these things that we do in our life and the wellness space to find, um, hacks and shortcuts, we actually have just a a battery that we can charge right out our door in many, many cases, you know, not to mention just disconnecting from the screens, Mm -hmm. getting our vision on something that actually allows us to sink back into um, the rest and digest state where we're in this sort of like very, very activated stress uh, state most of the day, whether we are conscious of it or not. And so yeah, what a what a just like underrated, very practical piece of advice for every human being. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, but to have your uh, little pocket of nature somewhere in your in your local three hundred and sixty degrees that you can get out to and spend some time in, it's just wildly powerful. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head with you know talking about screens. This is such a pro. 
This is such a growth area for so many people, including kids. One that none of us here had to deal with when we were teenagers. And you you couldn't pay me a million dollars right now to be a teenager in 2023. They are 2024. 2024. I said that. I okay, well, I said it twice, so I had to correct you on this. I one. know. Uh, it's day two of t- 2024, so my mind hasn't made the switch yet. I was with so, you there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, you couldn't pay me a million dollars to be a teenager in 2024 either. Um, and it's because they are navigating so many, the, the world is in their pocket. Yeah. And for, for a lot of kids, if you have a smartphone, the world is in your pocket. And man, if you're, if your brain is still growing and not fully formed and you don't have those boundaries put in place. And I can see why so many kids are feeling depressed and anxious and nervous and, you know, comparisonitis and all the things that you feel um, when you're outside, hopefully, you know, that is l- less time that you are spending looking at a, a screen or device. And mm-hmm. I forget who I was listening to. Um, it was uh, an expert talking about um, light and screens and, and health overall. And one of their pieces of advice was if your kid is going to be on a screen, at least put them outside, like have them go <laughs> That's great. Because so that what they're doing, what they're getting is that full spectrum light into their eyes, and chances are they'll see something or be interested in something outside more so than the screen in front of them. It's a possibility, but at least, at the very least, they're at least getting that full spectrum light into their eyes. And you know, he was talking about kids with behavioral issues and stuff, and and I think that that's just overlooked and and so huge for kids that we might not ever fully understand, honestly. Yeah. And I think that's huge is that, you know, and not fully understand, even from a point of parenting, when I was at this, when we were at the ski hill the other day, uh, we were sitting, eating our lunch and there was a family next to us with a little baby. I would guess she was one and she was kind of, you know, starting to cry and everything. So they propped the phone up and put it in front of her very innocently. Like, it's just, they're like, okay, we want her to, to be calm. And, you know, we want to finish eating. And I watched this little baby. She was so sweet, but her head just came and like rested on the table. And she just went into this glazed Mm. look as she was staring at this device. And I think that, you know, if we actually knew like, what was happening to the brain development? Like if parents actually knew what that was doing to the brain development of that child, uh, you know, we probably wouldn't even have these devices in our, in our homes. Right. But tools because of the busyness and the lack of time and the lack of energy that is, that we're surrounded. Yeah. One of the things that I think that that is has been really helpful for me as a mother was creating now you you know I'm a three, so this is not gonna sound so crazy to you, but I created um annual events. So we biked from New York to Toronto, can't hold a bike and hold an iPhone. We paddled for the cure, we paddled a hundred miles on the Connecticut River, can't hold a paddle yeah. and hold an iPhone. We did a cumulative push-up, pull-up, squat for 366 days. You can't do a pull-up and hold an iPhone. So I created 
these events that were, we were raising money for a good cause. They, we were participating as a family, but I was purposely creating outdoor events where it was impossible to do the task and have the phone. Yeah. Right. So it wasn't, you know, we used to do city hikes and then I'd look over and we'd be doing a city because I live in New York City, raise my kids in New York City. And I'd look over and then one of them would be, you know, outside on their phone. I was like, are you kidding me? You can fall into a manhole, man. Like put yeah. down your phone. Right. So I think that we as the leaders of these tribes have to, you know, slyly create the opportunities to not only be outside, but to, like you said, you're outside, you're hands down. You put a kid in a playground with an iPad, something's going to pull them away because mm -hmm. this vitality is way more interesting than screens. So I love that idea. And yeah, and everything is a step up. I listen, though, I mean, I have empathy for, you know, the mom putting the phone there. And I just, I'm not going to judge you, but, you know, like Heather said, the better we, the more we know, the better the choices we can make. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, definitely no judgment, but um, yeah, when we know better, we can do better for sure. Um, okay. That was amazing, you guys. So just to recap the, the five tips that you gave, one was finding joy more in the day, filling your own cup. And you can do that by getting up a little earlier before your kids and, and, you know, really um, leaning into what brings you joy early on and not waiting for evening time. Uh, number two was the partner check-in. So giving your partner, um, you know, a, a good idea of where you're at when he or she walks in the door, um, the transition if you're wearing a, a masculine hat during the day and, you know, finding that time to transition into your feminine, how you want to show up as a partner and a mother. Number four, talking about how did you fail, making failure less scary to yourself and your kids. Amazing. And number five, nature, get in nature, simple. Um, I think that that's amazing. And these are not just, these are not just tips for mothers. Of course, it's, anyone and everyone, right? Like these are, these are uh, pieces of uh, wonderful pieces of wisdom that anyone can, can embody and apply to their life and um, see the, see the benefits there. So yeah, I think that that's absolutely wonderful. Love it. Yeah. Thank you guys so much for being here with us. A um, lot of good information here. And I would just like to um, end by giving you guys some space here to talk about the, your recent projects and how you have joined forces together and what you're offering people. Karina, do you want to take that one? Oh, sure. You know, I love talking about this. We've started the Nurturing Mothers Group and uh, we wrote a book called The Way Holistic. And what we've done is we, we did what we wanted, which is we've created the plan. We calendar everything. Every week there we have the workouts. We have the work-ins. God bless Heather. She does the recipes. This takes like all of the stress out of the mothering and adds the support of the tribe. So we do weekly coaching together. What we're looking for is what we always wanted, which is that support of the divine feminine and the mother. And that union of being a woman, being a mother, being able to laugh at both and with a group of women. And we think it's so powerful. So we coach the team, but really the team supports itself. 
And in this great exchange, we, as with all great things, we have learned so much. And so we are starting our next group on February 7th. And it's a weekly meeting, but every week has a theme. And every week we release the workouts, the work-ins. I'm a yoga instructor. We also do yoga, breath work, everything that you need. And you opt in with how much time you have. You know, you can review it all. You can join us for all of the lives. So we understand, right? Motherhood is, and it's never expected. Maybe last night you didn't sleep. And, you know, it's more important that you go do that than join us tonight. But it's all recorded. And we map and calendar it with you so that you have it on your calendar, right? So it's it's a part of what you plan to do to be your excellent self. And more than anything, just holding space for that time in the working mother's world and life as women who get it, you know, from kind of very two different motherhood um, archetypes. Beautiful. Yeah, love I love that. that. Where can people learn more about this program? You can find us on oh, Instagram. Yeah, Sorry, and if you wanted to say, don't you want to do this? Do you want to do, <laughs> I think we should do it. We want to give your listeners a special deal. Do you agree, Heather? Let's do it. Sure. Okay, she said it, yes. Okay, two for one. Two for one, bring a sister, wow. bring your best friend. Two for one, starting in February. Because what we found is that people who come in as a team already create, We like that's how this synergy grows. And that's really the, you know, the red tent. When we as women used to go and bleed together, these are the conversations, these are the giggles, these are the, and the serious, like real relationship depth work that honestly in a sacred circle of the feminine, I am such a convert um, from a person who spent most of my life in the masculine. So um, we would love everyone to join us. If you go to our Instagram, The Way Holistic, or you can go to www.thewayholistic.com. It's all available there. But if you want this special deal, you got to DM us and mention Mimi and Chase, and that's all yours. Awesome. Wow. Yeah, we Thank will definitely. So Thank you. Yes, very generous of you. So that's that's a great opportunity if if someone's listening and you have a best friend or a sister or a cousin that you think would be perfect for this too. This is like a no-brainer in my opinion. If you're if you're currently not feeling supported or if you just want to optimize um your your life really in this specific area, I think that that's an amazing um deal. So thank you so much and we will have all of those links in the show notes you guys so you can check the you guys Karina Heather thank you so much for joining us and sharing your wisdom with us and our listeners and uh, just so grateful for the work that you're doing in the world it is absolutely so important and so needed thank you so much it's been so nice really talking with both of you awesome thank you so much for tuning in and hanging out with us check the show notes for all the links and if this nudged something in your soul, then I would say move towards that nudge. And those nudges are there for a reason. We'll talk to you next time. Go spread some light. Okay, bye. Hey friend, thanks for listening. Did you hear anything today that expanded your mind, made you laugh, touched your soul, or caused you to think differently about this topic? I hope so. I invite you to share this episode with someone you love. It takes 30 seconds and has the potential for a great ripple effect. Our world needs more people having real, honest, and open-minded dialogue on big topics. And you never know, you may just change their entire day. 
We love you and appreciate you being here with us. Cheers.